As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, well, that's it for this 49ers season. Ended in such unceremonious fashion in Philadelphia. Forgot what the score even was. It was a lot to a little. 31-7, to right? Yeah, 31-7. to Eagles beat the 49ers. Uh, more importantly, the scoreboard of quarterback injuries for the 49ers. They exit the season with four QBs under contract and all four of them unavailable to play. In this most recent game in the NFC title, we saw Brock Purdy tear his UCL ulnar collateral ligament. It's an injury that you see most often with baseball pitchers. Rehab time, still TBD. And then we saw his backup, Josh Johnson, suffer a concussion. So then in a, you know, I think big display of toughness, Brock Purdy actually came back in the game without a functional arm and said that he was still going through pain just handing the football off. And he actually threw the ball twice with a torn UCL. But I'll say throw generously there because he really just could barely lift his arm above his head and kind of toss it on a screen pass. And Philadelphia knew that he was incapable of throwing. That was easy to guess based on uh, you know reports that were coming out and based on taking a look at Brock Purdy on the sidelines. So the 49ers had to crawl into a complete shell. I've never seen anything like it. 49ers players had never seen anything like it. Kyle Shanahan had never seen anything like it. And it was a nightmare of epic proportions for the 49ers on that field against obviously a really good Eagles team. And uh, you know, I think the prevailing sentiment both locally and nationally, Matt, is that football fans were robbed of what could have been an epic game because both of these teams, we had talked about it in the lead up, both of these teams were the class of the NFC. Uh, the efficiency numbers suggested that it was going to be extremely evenly matched, talent on both sides of the field. But then one of those two teams played an entire half without. A, a quarterback able to throw the ball downfield, like not even a, a bad backup. And Josh Johnson was a very shaky backup. Even that would have probably kept this game reasonably close. But without a QB, the 49ers just didn't have a chance. Yeah, I thought the sentiment uh, from the 49ers afterward was 
sadness, but not so much that they lost, but they never really had a, a chance to to prove themselves. They never had a chance to win in this game. It's just sort of a a waste of a game um, and uh, just a terrible way to end a wonderful season. Um, so, I mean, we, we could go on and on about the, the misfortune and the, the rotten luck. Uh, to me, though, it, it really kind of underscored what they had. I mean, a, a game like that tells you which of your guys has metal and, and which doesn't. And I thought it underscored how good Brock Purdy was because the 49ers had nothing um, when he left. And, you know, just the way that, that he went into that game against the Dolphins versus the way that Johnson went into this game in, in Philadelphia. And I realize uh, Philadelphia, much better defense. Philadelphia is on the road. The stakes are higher. But there was a sharpness to Brock Purdy uh, immediately. Uh, Seventh-round rookie, first extended play, and he looks like he's been starting all year when he goes into that game. Um, and, and Johnson was uh, I'm not trying to pick on Johnson, but I just I think it just underscores – how special Brock Purdy is, and David mentioned his toughness to kind of play through that. I mean, he's in a lot of pain, too. The swelling in his arm. He talks to the media afterwards. He talks to the media on Tuesday on, on uh, the, the locker room clear-out day. Jimmy Garoppolo got out of town. Brock Purdy kind of, you know, did, did his, du- his duty and uh, spoke to everybody. I mean, I, I think I'm tr- what I'm trying to say, Dennis, is that uh, to me, the 49ers have found their starter. There's going to be all sorts of talk uh, this offseason about, oh, which, which veteran quarterback should the, the 49ers add? Who should they trade for? This, that, and the other. To me, I mean, it, it was obvious. Uh, everything pointed to the fact that the 49ers have a really, really good starting candidate on this roster. He's hurt. It's going to take a while for him to get back, but everything that uh, that uh, uh, is in this kid uh, is uh, screams like that he can do it. And my point is that the 49ers shouldn't scrutinize it too much. <laughs> you sound like a Brock Purdy fan. Well, I, I'm telling you what I saw. Did you see something different? I, I did not. And I think you're right. Um, but I think, you know, now he's in a training room with the rest of the quarterback room. Uh, and he's got to get back. Uh, I just I just look at what the 49ers did uh, to go out and get a quarterback and trade Lance. You, you know, you trade a lot of first round draft picks, even though the 49ers do pretty well later in the rounds of fourth and fifth round draft picks. But I mean, I think he's earned the right to compete. Right. The thing is, you know, what's his recovery time? And, you know, Trey Lance, I don't know if he's is he ready to to play again? And then you still got Jimmy Garoppolo that, you know, his contract's up, but, um, you know, he's a he's a pretty darn good backup too. So at some point, the 49ers have to kind of address the quarterback situation, right? I mean, I mean, do you bring a bunch of guys in for camp and, and let these guys heal up? And it's weird that you have four quarterbacks on your, your roster, uh, one Jimmy Garoppolo whose contract's up, but they're all hurt. So I, I, I haven't heard I've, – I've never seen that in, in the National Football League, but it is what it is. And, you know, watching this football game, it was tough to watch this football game. But, uh, you know, the game is what the game is, and, and that's how that game happened. The, the game was over in the first quarter. You know, I, I, it really felt like – I mean, the defense had some good stops in the game, but you, you just couldn't – Jalen Hurts didn't have to do that much. 
Um, the defense knew that, uh, you know, there's really no possibility for the ball to go down the field, stack the box, rush the quarterback. Johnson came in. Now he looked like he was a backup quarterback. And I, and I, and I agree with you, Matthew, it's, it, it's day and night. And when you think about the way Brock Purdy came in against Miami and the way uh, Johnson came in uh, against the Eagles, you could see just how good this kid is. So, I think he deserves the right to compete uh, for a starting job, but I just don't. I, I think the 49ers have to stay with you know what they what they did. I mean, you have to sleep in the bed. You brought in um, Trey Lance. You traded away whatever it was, three first round draft picks. You you gotta you gotta you gotta let him run it and see if he can do it. Um, but I think he has earned the right uh, to compete for that starting quarterback position. But it's going to be tough if you're in the training room, like everything. If you're in a training room, you're just you're just an average player uh, until you get on the football field. So it was it was a tough game to watch, and and I had to cover it on the radio, and it was a long yeah. Sunday afternoon watching that football game. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and it's going to be a long off season waiting to see uh, what what Brock Purdy's recovery time is actually going to be they'll set a timetable i'm here within the next few days because it's going to depend on if they do the tommy john surgery or if they uh go for the less uh, i guess obtrusive procedure everything is a surgery but one is a reconstruction that's tommy john another one is they call it an internal brace so uh i think that's the the procedure that nick mullins went through mullins actually uh went through the same or very similar injury a torn ucl back in 2020, and obviously he did return to be a backup elsewhere in the NFL. But uh, just looking through the 49ers quarterback injury history ever since Kyle Shanahan came aboard, Matt, it is a staggering list. You go back to 2017, C.J. Beathard got hurt in that game against Seattle. I think it was week 12, week 13. That's when Jimmy Garoppolo came in through the touchdown pass to Lewis Murphy. So Beathard just got the crap beaten out of him in 17. He had a slow release combined with a bad offensive line. That wasn't a good combination. Uh, Garoppolo then tore his ACL, scrambling in 2018. 2019 was the 49ers' only healthy QB year from start to finish. Under Kyle Shanahan, Garoppolo played all 19 football games, including uh, the postseason and the Super Bowl. 2020, injury bug came back again. Garoppolo, week two, high ankle sprain against the Jets. He re-aggravated that high ankle sprain in week 10 against the Seahawks. Uh, 20, uh, and then Nick Mullins also got hurt that year. That was the UCL for Mullins in 2020. 2021 uh, was the... Trey Lance chipped finger in the preseason against the Raiders. Garoppolo calf strain against the Seattle Seahawks. Moving forward, Garoppolo torn thumb ligament against the Tennessee Titans. And then Garoppolo torn shoulder capsules to add on to that against the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. He played through it, though. 2022, this is getting crazy. I'm doing this all off my memory, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Um, 2000, 2022, we moved to this past season. Trey Lance fractures his ankle. He's out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, fractures his foot. That ends up being a season-ending injury. Brock Purdy comes in and suffers the torn UCL, which we just saw the other day. QB4 was Josh Johnson, concussion. 
That also technically ends his season. 49ers end up with zero healthy quarterbacks. And the list I just went through, Matt, um, I, my jaw just dropped, uh, realizing how long it took me to go from start to finish of those quarterback injuries. Yeah, George Kittle talked about that. On Tuesday, he said he's been here for six seasons. In four of those seasons, uh, the 49ers have needed at least three starting quarterbacks. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, that, that's not usual. For, for an NFL team. Uh, quarterback injuries happen all the time, but the, the sheer number that the 49ers have had um, is staggering. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's Brock Purdy alone on this team. This team needs four quarterbacks, and it should be, in my opinion, it should be Purdy, it should be Lance, it should be a veteran, and then somebody in that fourth spot, um, just in case you get to that number again. Um, but, uh, I, you know, to me, I think that, uh, obviously th- this coming year is dependent on what Brock Purdy's diagnosis is. And we should say that we're, we're recording this on, on Wednesday morning. Um, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to talk at 1130. And hopefully by that point, Purdy has made a decision. There's some, um, um, information about, uh, you know, what procedure he's chosen how long he's going to be out. And that's going to inform the 49ers offseason quarterback plans. Um, but, uh, you know, last year they went into the year, you know, they thought that they were going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. So last year they went into the season with Trey Lance as the starter and Brock Purdy as the backup. So, um, you know, it, let, let's just say that Brock Purdy is out six months. That seems to be the, 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 the number that's been bandied about the most. In that situation, he would be back for training camp. Even if it's sort of a slow ramp up, you go into the season with Trey Lance as your starter, just like you did last year. And then, uh, you know, uh, at some point you transition or maybe you don't. I'm just saying that the 49ers would seemingly have their bases covered uh, with those two guys. But uh, I do agree that there needs to be a third guy who's brought in. But if you still believe in your two young quarterbacks, which I think the 49ers do, I don't see the point in uh, going nuts and uh, bringing in a very, very high-profile uh, quarter uh, veteran quarterback. I'm thinking more of a, a mid-range guy uh, along the lines of, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, the Red Rifle or somebody like that, uh, Dalton. So um, that, that's my thoughts, but uh, we'll see what uh, Shanahan and, uh, and Lynch say later this morning. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be another off season when we when we talk about quarterbacks and, and and it's and it's weird because the 49ers have, you know, we've we thought with Jimmy Garoppolo that was going to be the franchise quarterback. We thought with Trey Lance that he was going to be the new franchise quarterback, um, and now it's it's Brock Purdy. Could he be that that guy that that takes his team to that next step? And the next step right now for this team is winning an NFC Championship game. It's been two seasons in a row that they've that they've lost a NFC championship game on the road. So that's the next step. And and how do you get over that, over that hump? And I, and I think going into this Philly game, even though I think Philadelphia on paper was a better team, I kind of thought maybe the 49ers, if Brock Purdy had a good game, a big game that they could actually, you know, win on the road against the Eagles, but uh, after the first quarter, we saw that that wasn't going to happen. But I think you know a, a quarterback play again. 
you know, the defense, I think the defense is going to be good. I don't know how many guys need to be signed, but I think you, you, you come back with a really strong defense. But I think Brock Purdy could be the guy that's going to take this team to that next level. Um, and, and it'd be a shame if we have to wait a whole season or half a season uh, to get him back in the lineup. And then we're back to where we were at the beginning of last season, watching Trey Lance and see if he can develop. So, you know, quarterbacks have been a, a, a conversation of this team for, what, four or five years now. And, and we're still having conversations about who's going to be that guy at quarterback. And quarterback's a pretty important position, as we saw against against the Eagles in, in this game. So, you know, we started off talk about quarterbacks, who's out there, who's available, who can you bring in. Um, and then my question to you guys is, is Trey Lance ready to go? I mean, how's that foot or how's that – was it his foot or his ankle, whatever it was? Is he fully rehabbed Almost, from so that? we talked to Trey Lance in the locker room on Tuesday, and that wasn't a significant update. He said that he expects to be fully cleared in three to four weeks, which is huge. So he should be the first 49ers quarterback under contract for next year available to, to go – uh, for the off-season program. So that, in a way, puts Trey Lance back in the driver's seat, at least for right now. Um, you know, when we look at this from a bigger picture financial perspective, one reason the 49ers thought they were so well set up uh, before Sunday's game for next season was that both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are on relatively inexpensive rookie contracts. So the 49ers who have this super top-heavy roster now where every single year it seems like you're paying another guy. This year it's going to be Nick Bosa. Um, that, that kind of stuff gets expensive. And the only way that you could afford to do that while keeping the roster together with even the mid-level guys is if you're not paying a quarterback a lot of money. Right. So the 49ers big picture plan was, oh, look, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, rookie deals. We don't have to pay huge money to the quarterback position, but we can pay everybody else and continue to have a well-rounded team. That, of course, is thrown into question with Brock Purdy's health not being certain right now for the start of next year. And Trey Lance is the one gigantic uncertainty, healthy or not, because we haven't seen enough of him. And obviously when we did see him, he was still a work in progress. Kyle Shanahan wasn't really trusting him to throw all too much in that week two game against the Seattle Seahawks. So Matt said mid-level option. That within the financial framework of what the 49ers are planning might make the most sense because the second that you go to a high-level option, I mean, Tom Brady retired on Wednesday morning. Everybody was talking about him prior to that. But these high-level options, including Brady, if he hadn't retired, uh, would have cost $25, 30000000 million, even more than that. Derek Carr, for example, if you trade for him, He's, I think, due $34 million this next year. Aaron Rodgers, if you trade for him, even if you had the draft capital due and the 49ers don't have much valuable high-level draft capital, that'd be a, a QB 30 to $40 million. And the 49ers' financial structure is just not set up to absorb that while keeping all these other stars and all this other depth. So I think that mid-level option to bolster the room while Trey Lance and hopefully Brock Purdy get back. I think that makes the most sense for the 49ers to maintain the integrity of uh, their long-term plan, Matt. Yeah, I mean, and that would mean a, uh, a spring where Trey Lance is probably the quote-unquote starting quarterback, the guy who's running the first team unit because Purdy would be rehabbing at that point and uh, this incoming guy would get the uh, the second team snaps like uh, Nate Studfeld did last year. And, you know, I made the argument in a story today that of the two guys, Trey Lance, even though he came into the league a year before Brock Purdy, 
needs the reps more than, than Purdy does. I mean, uh, going back to their, their college uh, years, um, it's almost like uh, I, th- I think the figure is uh, Purdy got five times the number of pass attempts that uh, that Lance did. Now, Lance's big missing element is that he doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, and that's still the case, given uh, the, the injury that he had in, in week two this year. So uh, he continues to need all the practice that he can get, all the reps that he can get. And uh, this scenario would would allow that. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal. You, you want the guy that you want to be your your starter to be taking those reps. George Kittle made that point. He said that, you know, teams are going to start to figure out uh, Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy needs the practices to sort of zig where the, the defenses are, are starting to, to zag. And maybe we saw that a little bit um, uh, against the Cowboys and against the Eagles. Um, you know, they, they seem to have a very specific game plan against Brock Purdy. And uh, they're also two of the, the better uh, defenses in the NFC. So it, it's hard to say. But, um, you know, that's that's something that the 49ers are going to have to consider. Have defenses kind of caught up, figured out Brock Purdy, or can Shanahan and Purdy stay ahead of them? Uh, but, uh, yeah, the uh, the locker room scene was, was interesting, uh, Dennis. It seemed like everybody who was a, a free agent— uh, or a soon-to-be free agent kind of kind of was lingering around that locker room uh, longer than everybody else. We're talking Robbie Gold, Mike McGlinchey, Aziz Al Shair, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a different team uh, in 2023 than it was in 2022. You know, with free agency and you know your ability to go out and and, and make quite a bit of money in the free agency market. Uh, teams don't stay the same, and it and it's it's always interesting because, you know, I, I've been in those locker rooms when you know your season's over, and I was just following the news, and you know I see guys packing up boxes and things like that, and it's and, and I always forget that a lot of these guys don't live in California; they live you know elsewheres, and and when you pack up, I mean you are packing up because you really don't know if you're coming back. Back in the day, you just kind of went in and you did your physical, uh, you got your Super Bowl tickets and you got your playoff checks and you were, you know, gone until maybe two weeks later when you're right back in there working out in the weight room. So it was it was a weird scene watching it, you know, go down on television as guys are just kind of really packing up their stuff and leaving. Uh, and those exit interviews are are always tough because especially if you're a free agent, or you, you just don't know because NFL is so unpredictable. You know, you never know what happens. And, you know, when I was released, um, it was just them saying, here's your severance check. And, and you know, we're giving you the opportunity to shop your skills for other football teams. So it's weird, but it's the NFL. But it was really strange watching these guys just just really packing boxes uh, and getting out of there. Um, and but it, it was it, what a way to end such a such a, a crazy season. I mean, I, th- I think about this team back when they were three and four and, um, you know, didn't know what was going on. And uh, Lance was down and, and, and then Jimmy Garoppolo started the winning streak and then he goes down and here comes the third string quarterback. And you think, all right, that's it. The next thing you know, you know, 12 games later, you know, you NFC championship game. So it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a season that, I think these guys can hold their head up and say, you know, we we accomplished something. It's two years back to back 
NFC championship games. And, and that's hard to get to a championship game. So I think it's the team should keep their head up. And I, I just wonder in the locker room, you guys would know, and you're talking about these different quarterbacks. And now Trey's going to be the starting quarterback now after Brock Purdy's won 12 games for you. I just wonder what, what kind of vibe do you guys think the locker room might be um, when it comes to start when practicing again, and now you have a different quarterback um, kind of running the offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They're just going to have to roll with the punches. I think the, the team's goal from a bird's eye view has been to play complimentary football to the extent that I mean I I can't say to the extent that quarterback play won't matter, but to where you could operate around a changing dynamic in that room, right? And the, obviously the 49ers did that this year, playing with four QBs at the end of the day, and they were highly successful with the first three of them. So uh, I, I think the dynamic in the 49ers building is going to be to try to maintain excellent defensive play. Uh, obviously uh, leverage those skill positions they have on offense. You know, Christian McCaffrey still on this team under contract for three more years. He, his, his role is now kind of morphing from short-term rental to, to long-term fixture. That's something I got to write about the other day. And uh, th- that's, you know, Im- extremely important to note with, with the quarterback uncertainty. I mean, his presence uh, as a pillar of that offense is going to be all that more important. So the 49ers, the, this is still a really talented football team across the board, and uh, they're going to have to respond as such as they go through these uncertain waters of the quarterback position. And Matt, they know it's a good opportunity uh, to segue into the other side of the football. 49ers defense didn't play 
poorly at Philadelphia. Now, they did make mistakes. There were some penalties there. Philadelphia picked up seven first downs via penalty. The 49ers had zero in that game. But I think it's so important to look at it contextually. And that is the 49ers didn't have a QB who could throw downfield for the second half. So uh, that defense got worn out. And that defense started taking chances. They got frustrated. And with that, you know, you could probably explain some of the penalties. But they held the Eagles to 3.8 yards per play. That was a season low for Philadelphia. They held Jalen Hurts to a season low, 121 passing yards. They solved their cornerback issue completely. Diometer Lenore and Charvarius Ward gave up a combined two catches for 16 yards. I mean, you look at the 49ers' defense in this game and their numbers. If you would have seen those in a vacuum without knowing anything else before this game, you would have said the 49ers would have won, right? Um, so we talk about supporting the QB position moving forward. If that 49ers defense can maintain what they did this year, which was the final ranking, number one in the league, plus I thought a, a good performance considering the circumstances in Philadelphia, if they can maintain that, uh, th- th- this team can keep on winning even if there are more bumpy times ahead at the QB position. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, the, the 49ers injury immediately kind of skewed the entire game. I mean, the, the Eagles didn't have to take chances and this, that and the other um, that they, they could play it conservatively. And I, I think that accounted a little bit for their very modest numbers. But I agree with you. I, th- I thought the 49ers had a really good plan. They didn't really allow uh, Jalen Hurts to, to run wild on them. That was a big concern going into this game. Uh, the longest play of the day for them was a 29-yarder to Devontae Smith that set up their first touchdown. <laughs> that, that wasn't a catch. It just wasn't. Uh, so, uh, you know, that I think that tells a, a big part of the story. The 49ers did not allow any explosives, which had been the bane of their existence in the previous, what was it, four games, starting uh, with that game in, in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing what Dennis says about this. They they need to really think about their defensive line. As absurd as that sounds, given all the resources, uh, in my mind, they've got two keepers in Nick Bosa and, and Eric Armstead, and they're elite players. But the rest of the line needs to be considered. Uh, most of those guys are um, uh, going to be free agents uh, next month. Uh, Javon Kinlaw had the worst game of his career, uh, was just getting moved off the ball. And I realized that it's the Eagles and they do a great job uh, with, with double team blocks and their interior line is is terrific, the best in the league. But that's what Javon Kinlaw is there for, to take on double teams and, and not get moved around like he did. Uh, I felt like the 49ers would have been a lot better off with Hassan Reddick in that game. And, and Hassan Reddick's a guy that they put on IR. They could have put Jimmy Garoppolo on IR. It was possible that he could have come back for this game, uh, this, that, and the other. So there's a, there's a half a dozen guys that we could talk about, about whether the 49ers should re-sign and bring back. Uh, but it feels like, um, you know, the other two starting spots on that line, after Bosa and Armstead, need, need to be – uh, discussed and considered because uh, it uh, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. The, the whole defense relies on that defensive line. You've got two great guys on it. How do you maximize that talent? And I'm not sure the 49ers entirely did this past season. You were right about Javon. And, you know, Javon's a big dude. Uh, and he hasn't quite figured out how to play or get his pad level down. Um, 
And this was a good, and I repeat, a good offensive line. I mean, I think, you know, what they have three or, three or four pro bowlers on that offensive line. So these guys were good, and they were targeting Javon Kinlaw because they knew they could move him off the ball. And that was making it tough for linebackers um, to flow. So, you know, I, I think you have to evaluate um, – that player and I and th- this is what happens during the offseason everyone gets evaluated and, and coaches sit, sit down with their coordinators and coordinators sit down with the with the head coach and they talk about each person uh in your in your room and has this guy improved has this guy done this is this the guy that we can count on next season and I think they're really going to evaluate Javon Kinlaw you know starting with the fact that he hasn't been on the football field that much He's a high draft pick, but when he's on the field uh, in games, like you said, Matt, that's his job. His job is to absorb some double teams. His job is to stuff to run. His job is to get penetration and make plays in the backfield. And you didn't see that. And you haven't seen it. You, you've seen some, some flashes, but you really haven't seen it. And for a guy to be as big as a strong and watch him get pushed off the line on Sunday w- w- was tough. And so you're right. There are two positions on that defensive line that's going to be open. And uh, any if you can get something to help Eric Armstead there in the middle and get someone on the other side of Nick Bosa, I mean, you already have a strong defensive line. If you can get some consistent um, first and second down run play on the inside and a consist, consistent outside pass rush, I mean, your defense – it stays pretty much top notch, and and you're right. The secondary has improved, and Emmanuel Mosey is going to be coming back. If I'm not right, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but I think your secondary is going to get sheared up a little bit, uh, and you know what your linebacking crew is. So if you can, you got two positions: that tackle uh, and that 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 rush in the other side of Nick Bosa, and then you you know then you're back to a pretty strong, pretty dominating defense. But yeah, you're right, Matt. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else saw it. But uh, I focus on the box, and they were definitely running to Javon Kinlaw's side, and they were moving him off the ball with ease. And Jalen Hurst didn't really have to do much. I mean, you know, he didn't really have to do that much. Um, you know, the run game was going, those long drives and, you know, some, some key passes on third down. He didn't really have to do much. And then fourth down, you know, the fourth down plays are, are killers. So he didn't have to do that much to win this football game. And then knowing that his defense could shut down an offense that didn't have a quarterback, that's what made it so hard. It it looked like it was the effort. I mean, it wasn't the matchup everyone was looking for. The effort, the defense, you talk about making the team one-dimensional, very easy to do uh, against the 49ers without a a quarterback. And on the offense, you just keep the ball, hold on to the ball and put points on the board, and you come away with a win. So – very frustrating game to watch. Well, you know, the defensive line is a fascinating discussion, but you guys are absolutely right about it. The 49ers defense, this was the best finish in the Shanahan era. They finished number one, and they did a lot of good stuff, but but a huge reason that that happened is because they got better on the back seven. The front four is not as good as it was in, in 2019. I think it's significantly worse when it comes to the pass rush. They're they're better at, at stopping the run, but, but the pass rush – uh, we, we saw an Eagles pass rush that was just pinning its ears back and was was the best in the league this year. The 49ers were the best in the league in 2019. And what it takes is a bookend to Nick Bosa, and it takes better uh, pass rushing from the defensive tackle spot. And obviously they had D Ford in 2019, and they had uh, DeForest Buckner as well. So um, 
the 49ers have gotten better on the back end. That's balanced out the defense. Overall, um, you know, arguably better unit than than 2019. But yes, there is room for regrowth on that defensive line. Um, they drafted Drake Jackson, hoping that he might be able to develop into the Bosa bookend. Obviously not a great sign that he wasn't available here at the end of the season. But I will offer that they played 20 games this year. And they played 20 games last year. NFL seasons are, are really long. Drake Jackson previously had only played in a 12-game college season. It is not uncommon for a rookie to, to run out of steam uh, toward, toward the end because th- that's a whole other season that you tack on to what he's used to. So, you know, I would I would pump the brakes on, on ruling Jake Jackson out as a potential impact edge guy uh, just based on how he finished. He was leading the league in tip passes uh, earlier this season. He was doing some impressive stuff. So, well, let's see how the offseason goes for somebody like Drake Jackson. Let's see who the 49ers can potentially sign because guys like Ebucom, Charles Amenehu, Jordan Willis are all pending free agents. Uh, but, you know, this team, they, they seem to prioritize investment in the defensive line. And it seems like uh, this is the offseason to prioritize, uh, keep on prioritizing that investment, Matt. Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and I agree with you with, with Drake Jackson. I mean, just look at the the Aaron Banks situation from 2021. He was a second rounder. Everybody thought was a bust. And then he comes in and has a really fine season in year two. So, uh, you know, I, I think the 49ers are, are counting on Drake Jackson to make that leap. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, Drake Jackson being a healthy scratch uh, was due to Javon Kinlaw because Javon Kinlaw c- comes back into the lineup in late December, but he can't play a full slate of snaps. So they need to, activate another interior uh, defensive lineman. That guy uh, ends up being T.Y. McGill. So it's the, a sense that uh, Kinlaw plus McGill equals basically one healthy defensive tackle, but you're using up that extra spot, that extra activation, and that's largely what caused uh, Drake Jackson to be a healthy scratch all these games. But no, I, I think the... Uh, He's definitely in the mix. I just don't think that you can go into 2023, you know, relying on him to be a starter at this point. I think he's going to be a really, really good complimentary player who maybe can sort of uh, rise up into that role. I think that's the idea there. But uh, boy, you you would be a lot better off if you, I mean, this is the way I see it. The, The 49ers basically made one big free agent addition and several other uh, impactful ones, and we can talk about that later. But the big one was Charvarius Ward. They they went out, they decided, you know, this this defense would be a lot better if we had a shutdown, long-armed press cornerback, and they spent a little bit of money on Charvarius Ward, and uh, he, he really delivered. One of their better free agent signings of the, the Lynch-Shanahan era. I, I, I haven't given a, a long look at the free agent position at, uh, at Edge, uh, and I know that there's not going to be a lot of great ones out there because teams wrap those guys up. But that's to me, that's the position that they need to ace in, in the offseason because they can really turn this, this defensive line from being uh, A into A++. I mean, it, you, you start looking at what uh, you know, the, the, the Broncos defensive line was the year that they won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 in, uh, in Santa Clara. You think about what the... Uh, 
the Eagles just look like just all sorts of pressure coming off of both edges. I just don't don't feel like the 49ers truly had that at uh, at key moments this this past year. Edge rushers, it's such a wanted. I mean, everyone's looking for that edge rusher. Like everyone's looking for that quarterback. Um, so it's a premium, and and if you're a decent edge rusher, you know you're you're usually with the team. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know how you go out and find. You know, I, I guess that's that's the job of a scout. You go out and, and find a young college kid. You're not going to find many. Probably won't find another Nick Bosa for a while uh, in the draft, and especially when you don't have any first round draft picks. But yeah, any anyone on the who lines up opposite, if you can get, I mean, you don't have to be a great. You don't have to be a Charles Haley. Uh, type of pass rusher, but you do need to be consistent. Um, you know, Nick Bosa ends up with whatever it was, 18 and a half sacks, and he was double and triple team most of the most of the season. If you can get someone to get some pass rushes on that opposite side um, and any kind of consistency, it helps out this defensive line. But you also got to get that gut pressure. Eric Armstead can only do so much. So uh, go back to Javon Kinlaw, whoever is in that position. Uh, it's an opportunity for camp for someone to kind of show up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens during OTAs and, and the free agency and the offseason and uh, training camp as they try to try to get this defense, this number one defense. Like you said, there's going to be some changes, but to get this number one defense back up uh, to that number one status starting the football season. So uh, it'd be some changes, but yeah, the focus is, is definitely has to be uh, on that outside edge rusher. And I, and I think Jake or, or Drake Jackson is, is a good candidate. I just don't. Yeah, the, the Kinlaw thing makes sense now, but I didn't understand why he wasn't in the lineup, why he didn't get a uniform to play in some of these games just to get the reps. But he's got the long arms, long bodies, very athletic. Uh, he's a guy, you know, we'll see what happens on the offseason. Year one and year two is huge for defensive line. Uh, if you can make that jump, hopefully you can be that guy that can come in and be that consistent pass rusher on the opposite side. Yeah, and again, don't don't write him off just yet. That's I think we all agree on that. I think the the physical tools kind of really popped off the screen when he was able to play this year. And you know, Matt pointed out the whole Kinlaw conundrum up front since he he, he was limited with the with the snaps. But I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, people should not underestimate the the toll that a twenty game season takes on all these players, but especially you know on rookies who aren't used to to going through a marathon that long. Defensively, they're also you know Tashawn Gibson is a pending free agent. He was one of their starting safeties. So is Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward actually got on Instagram Live on Tuesday night. And uh, was talking about some of the inner workings of of this season. He said that he initially uh, told Kyle Shanahan that he didn't want to play Nickelback when they were moving him there because Deshaun Gibson had taken over safety while Jimmy was hurt. And uh, according to Jimmy Ward, Kyle Shanahan's response was, "Do you want to ride the bench?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told Jimmy Ward. You ride uh, so then J- Jimmy thought about it and uh, and then he moved to nickel. The thing is that. Uh, Jimmy thought that the 49ers were financially uh, working him a little bit in in this situation because the highest safety uh, contract is is way higher than the highest nickelback contract in the NFL. So it's he was obviously in a contract year, and if he plays nickel, then the 49ers might have a chance to re-sign him for less than if he plays a good season at safety. That being said. 
Ward this year, I mean, his interception numbers went up. I thought he put a lot more impressive stuff on tape. And the stature of the nickelback position around the league, Matt, is growing. It's becoming more and more important. So I think that, you know, I, I could see how Ward uh, was rubbed a little bit the wrong way for financial purposes. But the financial reality in the NFL is also evolving a bit. I think Nichols are going to be making more and more. And Ward can actually take his versatility uh, and, and use it as an advertisement right now, right? As he as he tries to get paid, he could say, "Hey, I could plug in at safety or nickel for you." And if the 49ers do, you know, want to re-sign him, he could point to the Tashawn Gibson spot and say, "Hey, you haven't re-signed Tashawn Gibson. You guys have openings at both nickel and safety, and I could play both of those positions." Yeah, I think the the 49ers made the the best decision. I mean, the uh, the triumvirate of uh, Gibson, Hufanga, and Ward. Um, it's probably better than uh, what it would have been with Hufanga, Ward, and Samuel Womack, which I think would have been what the 49ers would, would have to go go with. I mean, I, I thought that Jimmy Ward was one of the three best defenders in the last two games. I mean, he was great against the Cowboys. He was very good against the, the Eagles as well. I mean, there was one play where he got caught inside on a, on a, a, a zone read run. But he had very good uh, coverage on that uh, Devontae Smith non-catch. And uh, his tackling is, is always superb. I mean, and that's what you need at, at nickel. You need it at both spots, obviously. But, yeah, I would uh, – for to me, I mean, uh, I'm sure this is a pride thing. This is about being on the field for every snap instead of, you know, 70% of the snaps, which is what the nickel cornerback is. And I understand uh, Jimmy Ward's concern and, and his gripe. In that regard, but I just wonder whether you know he, he ends up playing longer as a nickel because he's not getting uh, you know a hundred percent of the snaps. Whether his career is elongated because of that, but um, yeah, if he goes altogether, then the 49ers have uh, have to make a decision uh, really at two spots. David's right. I mean, uh, I think that they were grooming both Womack and Diamador Lenore to be the nickel uh, this year. And um, obviously, Lenora was needed at outside cornerback, and he played really well there. But if Dennis is right and Emmanuel Mosley comes back, and Dennis, he is a, a free agent, but you would think that the, the ACL would, would tamp down his market and that the 49ers could bring him back. Um, I, I would think that that would be one of the ways that the 49ers could solve it. You've got Charvarius Ward on one side. You've got Emmanuel Mosley on the other and if there's no Jimmy Ward, then I think you're looking at Diamador Lenore as your nickel in, in 2023. But, um, yeah, there's all sorts of iterations, all sorts of ways you can um, skin this cat for 2023. And that's where that's what the 49ers, I'm sure they've already started to consider that. Uh, but that's what uh, we're going to be talking about for the next month. Yeah, no, I think we're going to be talking about quarterbacks. For <laughs> and you, the next month. you, you but, hate, you, know. you hate quarterback. You hate <laughs> offensive linemen, but you, you resent quarterbacks. Oh my even goodness! More. Oh my goodness! I, I do a little bit, but this team does. Yeah, that that's going to be the conference. This team does. No, they need that quarterback and figure out what's going on with that. But I, I think in the secondary, I, I think you know the fact that. Um, Hufanga played so well, and I don't know if that was a surprise. Uh, I, I followed the kid in, in in college because he's Pac-12 guy, USC. I mean, he was a beast in college, uh, and he showed up early uh, in his second year in the NFL, and he becomes a Pro Bowler, an All-Pro, 
all pro player. And, and I think he, I mean, that changed the entire secondary. I mean, the, I think the whole attitude changed in the secondary, but Jimmy Ward, I like the way he plays, the, you know, his, his ability, his tackling ability, his run support. Uh, I, I, I like him on the football team, but I think, you know, the 49ers, again, they go out and they find a late draft pick and, and, and Hufanga and he becomes a pro bowler. So, you know, I, I think if you go out and Emmanuel Mose, Mosley, I mean, he is, he's, he's, a, he's a good cornerback, but he can't stay healthy. You have to evaluate that. He, he seems he, he can't stay on the football field. So maybe you go out and, and, and you get lucky again in this draft and with the draft picks you have, which I don't know what they have, but I'm sure it's, it's late. It's got to be late uh, in the draft. You go out and you find another another cornerback um, and you, con- you continue to develop the young kids that you have that, that are coming along pretty well. But I, I'm I'm confident. I think for the first offseason, going the offseason, comfortable with the secondary and kind of what they've got going there with the the development and also um, the veterans uh, in the secondary. So uh, I feel comfortable with the with the secondary right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's I think that's the story here. I think that the shift of comfort on the defense has moved from D line back to the secondary, with the linebackers being a constant throughout. I don't think anybody ever doubted 49ers linebackers now. They are unquestionably the, the best group in the NFL. Now we'll see if they are able to keep Aziz Elshire around. Uh, th- that might be tough, but you have you have the two, right? You have Fred Warner, you have Dre Greenlaw, and then we'll see what the 49ers do beyond that. Anyway, I think we, we just went through the, the roster. We talked QB, we talked defense. Maybe next time we come on, we could uh, delve a little bit further into the offensive line, but it's the thing about these football teams. There's so many different components. We could sit here talking for five hours and still not be uh, finished discussing everything that needs to be uh, uh, talked about. But that the good news is we're going to be with you throughout uh, this offseason, so we'll have another show come up at some time soon. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan talking on Wednesday. And this has been a lot of fun. So thank you to Dennis. Thank you to Matt. For Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We're signing off of Here's the Catch. We'll talk to you next time.